You're listening to The Birdbath, presented by The Fountain Report. I'm your host, Ryan Leach. Welcome to The Birdbath. Each week, we'll be scraping the surface of the news you need to know. So let's get into it. Last week's AVMA conference in Denver brought us a lot of really interesting news. Dr. Sandra Fay is now the president-elect for the AVMA. She defeated outgoing AVMA treasurer Dr. Arnold Goldman and Dr. Bob Murtaugh, a former chair of the AVMA American Board of Veterinary Specialties. The three-way race was unique in the varied approaches to the campaign and how each one of the potential candidates saw the role. Also, a very unique thing about this race was that only one of the candidates was still in private practice. Dr. Fay is the chief veterinary officer for NVA, and Dr. Murtov was an early executive and partner at Thrive Pet Healthcare, formerly Pathway Vet Alliance. Dr. Fay seems pretty well aligned with the traditional role and seems to be following along the same vision and mindset of her predecessors. Speaking of one of her predecessors, former AVMA president Dr. Lori Teller spoke this month on her last day in office. She hit on some really interesting topics around veterinary workforce needs, proposed mid-level position, and the importance of an in-person veterinary client-patient relationship, or a VCPR. Dr. Teller said AVMA data does not support the projected companion animal veterinary shortage that has been reported. This is something that took quite a few people in the audience by surprise. Of the folks that I spoke to, there were quite a few hands raised, quite a few questions asked, and a few people that openly disagreed with this view. Last week in our Fountain Report, Mark Cushing came out with a story and completely differed in every aspect of what Dr. Teller was saying. So if you want to read that, make sure you check out last week's Fountain Report. We're going to have more coverage on on what Dr. Teller had to say at last week's AVMA conference. An additional thing that she said was that she thought that creating a mid-level position would be a disaster and significant risk for our profession. Personally, I'd love to hear what everyone thinks. I think there's pros and cons to both sides, and it's a hot-button issue right now. At the Fountain Report and the Birdbath, we're always interested to hear what you, our listeners, have to say. So make sure you comment. Hop on our LinkedIn. Check out all the different places we are and let us know what you think about what Dr. Teller said. In more news around employees and retention and hiring folks, Hound actually made an acquisition of Relief Rover. In a joint statement, Hound founder and CEO Andrew Luna and Relief Rovers founder Dr. Cindy Trice said, we are unifying our teams, technology, and resources. Together, we will modernize veterinary jobs, search and hiring, relief careers and resources, employee engagement and retention, access to care for pets, and beyond. Previously, Hound was focused exclusively on recruiting and retention with a very heavily employee-focused brand, big on employee engagement and driving a lot of engagement with the staff within clinics. By adding in Relief Rover, right now it's listed as an additional solution within the Hound business line, but some sources that I've spoken to say that we could expect a deeper integration as the dust settles. It's a busy space for them to be joining into and, and moving away from just the recruiting but going into the relief side of the business, it's, there's a lot of groups out there, IndieVet, Holiday Vet, VetIQ Staffing, and RuVet. And I'm going to be interested to see how Relief Rover fits into the Hound business model. Hound has a really strong brand reputation, and I think that it's something that could bring their newer approach to recruiting and blend that with the experience that Dr. Trice brought to Relief Rover. 
Some more news around bringing people into the industry. The dean at Iowa State University College of Veterinary Medicine, Dan Grooms, let us know that in the last two decades, the college grew from 100 students to approximately 160 students. And for the fall 2023 semester, the program received 2,100 applicants for these spots. That's a 6.5% acceptance rate for incoming students. There's obviously a strong demand. We went and researched a little deeper into what the American Association of Veterinary Medical Colleges had to say, and their rates and their numbers state that 32 colleges in America, five in Canada, and 16 international veterinary medical colleges accredited by the AVMA. And each year, about 3,200 students are graduating. So if you just look at the U.S. colleges, 3,200 students at 32 colleges would mean that that growth that we're seeing at Iowa State University is a positive. And the class sizes, as reported by the AAVMC, is showing only a 2% rise in the last 30 years. So despite the fact that we're continually hearing that there's a demand, a shortage, uh, I've personally seen the difficulties that folks can have to get into these colleges. There's only been an increase across the board of 2% in the last 30 years. Dean Dan Grooms said, at this point, we're pretty much capped out on our ability to grow because of physical facilities, classroom sizes, our training centers, our laboratories, and everything like that. I know there's some new colleges that are in the works and being planned. I personally would love to see some ways that we could increase the number of folks being able to enter and join this incredible profession. Now moving on to some more business-focused news, perhaps. Uh, Brief Media made a cool announcement at the conference that they have rebranded as Vet Medics. You might know Brief Media as the publisher of Clinician's Brief and Plums, but Vet Medics now sees themselves as a little bit more than just a media company. They want to be able to be seen as an all-encompassing veterinary business. I know personally that I found a lot of great resources and what they've published with the Clinician's Brief and Plums, and I look forward to seeing what they do next. Some more data coming out of Nationwide, the insurance provider. They've announced a release of Pet Health Zone. It's a free online platform that uses 40 years of data from their clients to help conversations between pet parents and veterinary teams. They've taken over 12 million claims and what they claim is 5 million lived pet years and bring all of that data together to allow people to have hopefully something better than Dr. Google. Uh, nowadays, as you're constantly hearing about the increase of AI and the importance of data, there's a very valuable statement that people talk about whenever data is being used. And if something's free, that means that you're the product. Well, in this situation, it's kind of interesting because Nationwide is utilizing the data from their paid clients to be able to bring together what is a free online platform. I know they're going to be obviously collecting a lot of this and making this more actionable. It'd be really neat to be able to see how this can be utilized and implemented by others outside of the nationwide scope. If we could start to see some of this data accessible as a way to improve the quality of teletriage, the way for additional practitioners to be able to level up their skills and understand more. There's a ton of information out there. 12 million claims, 5 million lived pet years is definitely something that we can all find a way to become and utilize to be really actionable. Another company making some big moves is Lowe's, the hardware company. 
they've announced an increase and an expansion of their pilot with Petco. Right now, they've got 15 what they call stores in stores, which are Petco locations built inside Lowe's stores. They want to take those 15 and grow it to over 300 by year end. Primarily, these are focused in rural areas. Uh, these Petco neighborhood farm and market stores, as they seem to call them, they're testing their brand on ag retail. So it's not the traditional Petco product line that you might be expecting, dog food, cat food, collars, Kongs, toys, and those sort of things. But we're seeing a lot more livestock-focused equipment through Petco, which is a unique and different product line. It's obviously something that's continuing to grow. The Lowe's affiliation seems to be a pretty significant expansion of the real estate that Petco has of their traditional products. We've seen a lot of investment in the veterinary space, and we're continuing to see an increase in investment around the animal health market. These stores are growing. They're popping up. Uh, you're continuing to see them. You're starting to see nonstop growth of our online products within the space, as you see Chewy and many others expanding their offerings. And Petco's trying to do some more on their brick-and-mortar locations. It's been pretty interesting to see this because, as many know, PetSmart has held a very strong footprint in their freestanding spaces, but they are expanding more of their veterinary care with their PetSmart veterinary services. Previously, you probably knew PetSmart as having Banfield Clinics, a, a Mars company inside of them, but Banfield's continuing their expansion onto freestanding locations. So this new franchise model that PetSmart is bringing, PetSmart Veterinary Services, is kind of an interesting approach. It's something that they're not only targeting new practice owners, people that were associates that are looking to have their own, but also folks that have had locations that need renovations or perhaps not the foot traffic that they're looking for and encouraging moving existing clinics, partnering with PetSmart Veterinary Services and bringing that into a franchise model within the practice. Other folks who have done things similar to this are PetIQ's Pet Vet and their pop-up locations around tractor supplies all over the country. I think it's interesting, as many people know, brick and mortar is the, and the real estate is a very important and expensive part of the business. If you can find a way to be able to increase your foot traffic without increasing your overhead costs, it can make a lot of sense. So stores and stores, let's, let's see where that goes. All right, now let's end on what I think could be a really high note and a really cool breakthrough in some medical technology. So Vietnam approved the commercial use of its first African swine fever vaccine. This is a first of its kind in the world for something that's been extremely devastating to the pig population. So in 2018 to 2019, half of the domestic pig population in China died. They're the world's largest producer. It caused losses estimated at over $100 billion. In Vietnam, they've tested more than 650,000 doses of the vaccine on hogs, herds in 40 provinces with an efficacy rate of 95%, according to the Vietnamese government. The FDA here in the USA said, fortunately, African swine fever has never been found in the United States and we want to keep it that way. Despite that, the United States is looking to make some precautionary purchases to make sure that they have some on hand of this new vaccine in case we were to ever see any outbreaks come through. That does it for us this week. 
It's our first episode, so please feel free to let us know how you like it, what you'd like to hear different, and what other stories we can dive into. For more on these stories and others like it, join us by subscribing to The Fountain Report. You can find the link in the bio, or make sure you join us on LinkedIn, where you can find all of the shows and all of the links to The Fountain Report's weekly newsletter. And don't miss out on any episodes of The Birdbath by subscribing and rating the show. For The Birdbath, I'm Ryan Leach. See you next week. 